Welcome back. This is the beginning of episode four of season three of the Youth Room. We're so glad that you're here with us. My name is Dan, along with our other host, Jordan. (laughs) And today we're answering the all-important question, who is Jordan? That's it. You've heard me right. It's time that we got to get to know Jordan. I have lots of questions lined up for him. Has there been any books written about you, Jordan, to this point? Do you have a Wikipedia Um, page? You know, it's funny you should mention it. I'm working on an autobiography, actually. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Well, that's that's great for you, Jordan. But what this episode is really about is who is Jesus? We want to talk about how can we know Jesus? Who is he? And how does knowing who he is affect our daily lives? It's a great episode. We talk about um, these titles that... Peter gave when Jesus asked him this very same question, who do you say that I am? And we talk about the oneness, we talk about the spirit, and we talk about how all of these things impact our daily lives. Yeah, for sure. It's a great episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. For me, what it all comes down to is by the end of it, I really think you'll start to see how it matters today. Not just, you know, who this guy was 2000 years ago, you know, we're just past Easter. Everyone's talking about him, thinking about him, but, but how does that matter to me as a young person here and now? Hope you enjoy the episode. Enjoy the discussion. Let's go. You're listening to The Youth Room, a podcast from UPCI Youth Ministries for students and young adults. Every month, Daniel and Jordan hang out and talk about things relevant to you as an apostolic young person. If you like what you hear, please consider following and subscribing to the show. P.S. We want your feedback. Visit anchor.fm slash theyouthroomym to connect with us on social media and send us a voice message if you have a question or topic that we should address in the future. It's Easter or rather Easter has just passed unless, you know, you're listening to this one a little bit late and Easter is one of those two holidays on the calendar where people all over are thinking about maybe even talking about Jesus, people who aren't Christians, you know, friends, family members, coworkers that don't go to church or wouldn't consider themselves religious in any sense around Easter and Christmas, they usually are thinking about and sometimes making comments about Christianity or about Jesus or about church. And so in this episode, we're talking about who Jesus is. What would you say if someone asked you who Jesus was, Dan? Oh, that's a big question. I would say he's, (laughs) he's my God, I guess. And then I I would start there, but I think you're right. Like that, that is such a a huge question. Um, And everyone has kind of their own, you know, preconceived notion. Like there's, very few people who, if you ask them, like, you know, who is Jesus? And they'd be like, I, I don't know. I don't know who that is. Um, right. And it's, you know, there are people with that that name, but it's very clear um, who we're talking about, anyone that you ask about this. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that question, it's actually not a new question. It's actually one that Jesus himself asked his disciples in Matthew sixteen thirteen to 16. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And that's kind of similar to what you were just alluding to. Like a lot of people have their own preconceived notions, right? And we see the mm-hmm. same thing was true back in Jesus' day. Some thought Jesus was just a teacher or a prophet, like this spiritual figure, um, like kind of like a, a 
an influencer, if we were to use modern <laughs> terminology, right? Um, but Jesus said in, in kind of challenge or opposition to this, he said, but who do you say that I am? And then verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So we're going to explore this, unpack it a little bit and just talk about these two phrases that Peter responds with, the Christ and the son of the living God. But before we even dive into that, why does Jesus' identity matter? Can you help me answer that, Dan? Yeah, for sure. And just to go back to something so we don't brush over, but that the, the directness of Jesus in asking that question, right? He, he says, you know, they, they kind of give this response, you know, if people say this and people say that. And the, what he's trying to get to or what's important to Jesus is who do you say? That I am. Mm. So at the end of this, like by the end of this podcast, and hopefully maybe you're coming into this already with the right idea about Jesus, and we're just going to solidify it for you. But that is the most important thing is you deciding, you know, who Jesus is to you. Uh, that's when it impacts your life. That's when it changes your eternity. And so, you know, we want to have the right answer and the right perspective in our relationship with God. So why, why does his identity matter? Why is it such a big deal for you personally? Why is it such a, a big deal for anyone coming to your church? Uh, here's why. John chapter 17, verse 3. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So John, in his writing, he's equating knowing God, knowing who he is, knowing that he is the one true God, and that Jesus Christ is sent by God, and understanding that, to know that, to know who just Jesus is and what he came to do is eternal life. What does Absolutely. Paul say? Absolutely. Yeah. Paul, he says in Philippians three, verse eight, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul's saying essentially compared to knowing Jesus, knowing who he is, understanding who he is compared to that, everything else is junk. Everything else is <laughs> worthless. Yeah. Which just goes to show the importance of it, right? Of, you know, Paul who for lived sure. his whole life for Jesus. He's saying, I, I did this because I, I know who Jesus is and that's how significant, you know, knowing him is. And so we're going to start kind of unpacking those two phrases that you kind of read it, read to us at the top, Jordan, about uh, Peter's response about Jesus being the Christ and the son of God. And so we'll start with the Christ, the Christ or the Messiah, as it's sometimes um, kind of transliterated, was promised to the Jewish people by prophets through the ages leading up to Jesus's birth. And so for those living during Jesus's time, they were looking to a Messiah. They were looking yep. for someone to be sent by God uh, to come and save them. And we see this in scripture uh, directly fulfilled or pointing to Jesus. We see it right, you know, when Jesus is born, Matthew chapter one, the angel speaks to Joseph when he's not sure whether he's going to stay with Mary or not. And the angel speaks and says, Mary will have a son and you, Joseph, are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. In other words, hmm. saying you're going to name him Jesus. He's our savior. You know, Jehovah saves. Yeah, that was literally what Jesus or Yeshua meant, right? Was Jehovah, our God, saves. And this idea of a savior or a messiah, it it goes all the way back to the beginning, right? This idea that humanity is in sin, that we're separated mm -hmm. from God, that Adam and Eve kind of 
brought this into the world, made that choice, that that decision to reject God's command, to disobey. And it's a choice that we all make in our lives. As we, you know, grow up, we choose sin. It's our carnal nature, this like propensity or inclination to sin. And sin messes up our lives. It messes up our relationships, our families, the world around us. All of these things are impacted by the the choices that we make that go against God, go against his word. And Jesus showed up to create a path out of this downward spiral, to kind of correct course, so to speak, or to offer us as his people, his creation, a way to get back into relationship with him and to get out of this sin uh, sinful spiral that takes us further and further into darkness. And that's kind of what it means to be the Christ, to be the savior, is to come on the scene to create this path back to God. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to what he came to do, right? The the reason for his being, the purpose of, you know, God in flesh on earth, right? Jesus Christ. And so the next kind of statement about Jesus, the son of God, is not necessarily about, you know, why he existed or why he came, but it's about what makes it possible that he is able to save us. If we're saying that, you know, this person, Jesus Christ, Jehovah saves, it, it is through him and, you know, by him. How is that possible? How is he different from anyone else? And that gets us back to that second term, which is that he is the son of God. So what does that mean? Why is Jesus called that? We're going to ding, uh, we're going to dig into it. So the meaning of the word son, David Bernard writes in a oneness view of Jesus Christ that at its most basic this is what he writes. The phrase son of means that the being to whom it applies originates in some way from someone else, whether literally or figuratively, the phrase son of God indicates that God is the direct origin and source. In other words, you know, Jesus Christ comes from God. The source or what allows Jesus Christ to be a person to exist uh, is God. Thus, he is referred to as the son of God. Yeah. And that's a really good foundation for understanding how this phrase is used in scripture, because we see it all the time where Jesus is referred to as the son of God. And sometimes that's confusing, right? It's like, wait, like people worship this guy, people, you know, pray to him, people exalt him. There's an entire religion based on his name. Like what (laughs) is he how is he just the son of God? Right. Cause we think of different mythology and like, we've got these Greek gods where like there's Zeus, who's like the father. And then there's like the, he's got sons and we think of it <laughs> in like a very literal sense. Right. Um, but the way that David Bernard explains it, there is so, um, so simple to understand, right? We see that Jesus is referred to as the son of God, both literally and figuratively. And when we look at it literally, you kind of alluded to it earlier when you read from the book of Matthew chapter one, where we see that Jesus didn't have a biological human father, right? The angel was talking to Joseph because Joseph, who we often see as you know Jesus's father in scripture, uh, his human father, he wasn't literally Jesus' father, but instead Jesus was conceived by a supernatural act of God that his literal genetic origin could be traced back to that supernatural event could be traced back to God. And so in that sense, he was literally the son of God. And then he was also figuratively the son of God because God was the source of everything that Jesus embodied. 
And this one, you can understand with a bit of context. When you start to read through scripture and you're looking in the New Testament, and you see these characters like James and John who are referred to as the sons of thunder or uh, <laughs> Barnabas, uh, who's referred to as the son of encouragement. And these phrases, they don't mean that these guys had parents who were you know, named thunder and encouragement, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's obviously um, not how we understand it when we read it at face value either. Um, we get the sense that, you know, James and John, they were perhaps, you know, very um, like aggressive or very uh, tenacious people. They were um, kind of abrasive personalities. And Barnabas, on the other hand, was, was an encourager. He was someone who was really easy to um, to talk to, easy to get along with someone who, when you spoke to him, you were uplifted. When you spoke to him, you were um, just, you know, kind of put at ease and put at peace and had a positive uh, hope for the future when you came away from a conversation with Barnabas. Who doesn't need that? <laughs> and in much the same way, Jesus is referred to as the son of God, that he literally bore the nature of God, that all of God's character, his personality, his attributes, what made God God was present in Jesus and how he represented himself to those around him. There's a, yeah. a verse that's actually um, the popular title of one of Brother Bernard's newer books, and that's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's this phrase that comes from a verse in Corinthians, and it's such a great way of explaining that concept that Jesus was figuratively the son of God, because you could see God's nature and his character when you looked at the face of Jesus. Yeah. And all of that leads to a really important point, right? Because people can believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? That he's the Messiah, he's the chosen one, and they're okay with that. And they can believe that, you know, he's the son of God or that he is like God or that his source was from God. And it can start to break down unless we establish one kind of further point upon which everything else hinges. And that is, is Jesus God? Is Jesus God? And so, you know, is he something different? Is he a separate entity? And like, and so what we're trying to really boil down here is what's called oneness or this idea that God is one, that there is no kind of, um, you know, shadow or turning in him. There's no two sides of him, but, you know, God is one. And so is Jesus God? The answer is a resounding yes. And Jesus is God in flesh. And so we're going to read some scriptures that'll help us kind of really drive home this point that Jesus at the end of the day, he is God. And that has a huge impact for our life today. For sure. I think even before we get into some of these scriptures from uh, Colossians, I'm thinking just about some of the things Jesus said himself, like in uh, John chapter eight, I believe it's around verse 50, 58, Jesus is talking to a group of religious leaders and they're He's talking about Abraham as if he knew him personally. And these people are asking him, like, why are you speaking in such a familiar tone of Abraham? <laughs> are you a time traveler? <laughs> yeah. And he says to them, before Abraham was, I am. And he, in, in saying that, he's equating mm -hmm. himself with God. And that was even, when you look at the case for Jesus' crucifixion, that was like the biggest sticking point was that this guy made himself equal with God through the things that he said and did. And 
then yeah. you also have what he said to Philip, where he was like, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. These things that, again, we're just equating him with God. But that, it, it's not just Jesus himself that said these things, but uh, his disciples, as they would continue to write the New Testament, had more to say on that topic. Yeah. So Paul, two verses, Colossians chapter one, verse 19, he says, for God in all his fullness and everything that he is, the fullness of him was pleased to live in Christ, meaning everything that God is, everything that God was, was in uh, Christ. And he follows that up the next chapter, chapter two, verse nine. He says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And so in case they <laughs> missed it, like the first time he just yep. kind of, he, he circles back around to it. Cause it's such an important point that all of God was in uh, Jesus Christ. And as you kind of said, there's so many other scriptures where Jesus talks about himself and he identifies himself, you know, as the father, as, as God saying they are one, uh, to know one is to know the other. And so there is this cohesiveness or, um, you know, this oneness to God where Jesus speaks Absolutely. as God and he acts as God. And so how does this impact our lives today? And that's really what it comes down to is like, this is a great theological discussion, but why does it actually matter? And it does, because if God didn't do this, if he didn't come in flesh as a man and die on a cross, you and I couldn't know him. That's really the distinguishing factor with Christianity. And I'm glad we're talking about this around Easter because it's so powerful, this concept that, you know, people might say, oh, if there's a God out there, like, you know, you'll never really know for sure, but Jesus and what he did when he came to earth is the, the biggest counter to that point, right? It's this idea that God actually stepped into creation. He, he put on flesh, came on the scene and, and came so that we could know him. Hebrews two fourteen uh, to 15, it says in as much then as the children, that's you and me have partaken of flesh and blood. So we're here, we're flesh and blood. We're, we're creatures that you can see and touch. He himself, talking about Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus took on flesh so that he could free us from sin. By coming in human form, God was able to take the punishment that you and I deserved for our sins, and he was able to bear it himself. He took on human form, and he suffered the consequence of death for our sins so that we could experience new life by his spirit. That's really, the, in my mind, one of the biggest ways that this affects our lives today. Yeah, and it, it had to be God, right? It, he had to have no sin. It's kind of like if someone had, you know, run up a tab at a store and, uh, you know, they'd just been buying things on credit for a really long time. And it was kind of getting to the end where it was like, is this person like ever going to pay this back? Like we, we've got to cut them off. And then that guy comes to you and is like, oh, you know, if you want a TV or something like uh, a new Xbox or whatever, like I'll, I'll just go to them and I'll, I'll put it on my tab and, and I'll, I'll pay for it too. And, and he goes to do that. And they're like, no way. <laughs> like you can't, you can't buy stuff on credit for your buddies. Like you haven't even paid your own thing. Right. And so no one with sin can be like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to die for my sin anyway. I'll just take on everybody's sin. Just add it on, <laughs> on to me. It, it didn't work that way. Uh, but God, because he was blameless and he was innocent, when he steps up, he doesn't deserve to die. And yet he's laying down his life. Yeah. Uh, he says, I will take their sin 
upon myself. Like no one else can step into that. No one else could die for us, die in our place uh, other than Jesus. And so um, that's why it matters so much because of who he is, because of what he did. Uh, the promise now is that we can have the same power of God living inside of us. That's where the Bible kind of takes us. The story of scripture takes us that we see Jesus, we see him die, we see him resurrected. Uh, and he, he talks about this promise of the spirit or his, his spirit, his, uh, you know, presence filling us. And so that's kind of where we're going to, to turn to next is that this relationship with God is an intimate one. It's a personal one. And it all kind of begins with this defining experience. Yeah, 100%. I think this idea that when we look at Jesus, we can actually know God, that when we spend time in prayer, it's not like we're, you know, talking to someone we could never meet, someone we could never know, whose name we would never know. We would just refer to them as, you know, by their title. Like we don't just say, hey, God, how's it going? But we know his name. We can speak to him. We can see him in scripture. We can read about what he did while he was here on earth and the way he interacted with people. And that's really Christianity. It's all about not just believing that God exists, but we can know him. We can understand him. And when that happens, when we get that knowledge and that understanding, and as we go deeper into it, we live differently because of it. Because we can have a relationship with him, it, it actually impacts the depth of our faith and how we live our lives. And, you know, we read before that uh, Paul said everything else was junk in comparison to knowing Christ. And he continued that thought in uh, Philippians 3, verse 10 through 11. He's saying, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead that same power. I want to experience that, right? I want to know him and I want to experience that power that raised him from the dead. Then he says something weird. He says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. What? <laughs> What's he <laughs> saying there? He says, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He's saying, I want to submit. I want to obey. I want to, in a way, suffer with him. I want to lay something down. So mm -hmm. he's talking about that surrender of his own life, that surrender of his own will to God. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I think that's such a cool passage. And I really encourage you go study the rest of Philippians three, because there's more to it that we just won't have time to get into in this episode. Yeah, and it, it's just so powerful, like looking at Jesus's life and, you know, that's what we're to model and that's what we're to be like. It's one thing when you read through the Old Testament and you see God kind of like acting as a spirit or, you know, kind of sending different people and speaking to them and they're interacting with humanity. And then it's something else to see, you know, him interact with people and how he spoke to them and, and how he loved them and that we now are, are called to that same kind of level of uh, love and care for people, that same level of obedience to God's, uh, you know, will. And we do all of that through his spirit. And Paul kind of talks about this a little bit more in Colossians chapter one, after he had kind of established that, you know, the fullness of God dwelt in Christ before he does it again, he, he makes this point. Uh, and then just to, you know, reiterate, he, he goes back to that earlier point, but he says this in Colossians chapter one, verse 25, he says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, 
but now it has been revealed to God's people. In Jesus, we see like the revelation of God's yeah. plan of what he had yeah. in, in motion from the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden where God had a way for us to be brought back to him. We see all of that revealed in Jesus Christ. And he goes on, verse 27, he says, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. And elsewhere in scripture, it talks about the spirit as being the, the guarantee of our inheritance, that it's like yeah. kind of like the down payment of, of things to come. It, and it's Christ living in you. It's not the spirit. It's not a, a separate you know entity or thing, but it's the same Jesus Christ that we see living in scripture. That is God that we worship. It is him living inside of us. So that power that, that was in him, that is God that allowed him to be resurrected, that same power lives in us and it gives us assurance of sharing in his glory, that it's not going to be by my own might or my power or my wisdom, but it's going to be by his spirit. And then verse 28, and I'll let you jump in after this one, Jordan. He says, so we tell others about Christ. And just reading this, I get excited, right? When you, yeah. Just even before that, you know, Christ lives <laughs> in you. It gives, this, gives you this assurance of sharing in his glory. So as amazing as that is, we're going to tell people about it. How could we not? Like the secret has been revealed. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. We want to tell people about Christ so that they too can have a relationship with him. This is really what it all comes down to, right? We started this off saying, who's Jesus? And I hope by now you're starting to see not just who he is, but why that actually matters. When you understand who he is, it changes everything, right? Like it gives you hope. It gives you an assurance of experiencing something greater than, than this mundane life that surrounds us. But we have hope of sharing in his glory. And so I wonder if, you know, you're listening to this and you haven't been filled with the spirit, pray for God to fill you with his spirit. If you are struggling to understand what that means, maybe go back and listen to episode 3.2 on the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And we really unpack what the Bible has to say about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe it's been a long time since you've felt that that experience of, of Christ working in you, since you've really felt close to him in prayer, or you've really felt uh, close to him just in, in general. To spend some time now and pray for God to refill you with his Spirit so that you can have that hope of Christ in you. Um, I've heard it said kind of building off of some of the passages that we read pastors in the, or, or ministers in the past have said that God partook of human nature so that we could partake of the divine nature. And in some ways that's, what we experience when we're filled with the spirit, we're partaking of that divine nature. It's the power of God alive in us. So I encourage you pray for that experience right now. Yeah. And continue to read the scripture, right? Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John read about Jesus. If you're feeling disconnected when you pray, or if you're feeling disconnected as to why you live a Christian life, or you feel like you're not able to reach the people around you, despite what you're trying, just look at, Jesus, look at how he treated people. Look at how he acted. Look at the the criticism and the persecution and all of the things that he experienced. And he, no one is more loving and no one is more right. caring and no one is more kind 
than him. And so if, if he was met with hostility at times, like we too will feel the same thing, but we continue to do it because we have this relationship with Christ, because we know him, we know who he is, we know what he came to do, we know what he has in store for us. And that allows us to continue to persevere and to continue serving him. And so continue in prayer, continue in reading about uh, Jesus and continue to build that relationship with him and tell others uh, about him. As we wrap up, um, tell other people about this podcast. We are trying week after week to, or month after month, whatever it is, maybe you listen to them all at once, binge listen to them. We encourage you to do that. If there are episodes you haven't listened to, go back and do that, but share it with somebody. We are trying through this to help all of us to grow closer to God by knowing him more, by understanding his word more, by seeing how it applies to our lives as, as young people. And the more we do that, the more we turn to his word, the more we open up ourselves, God will help us to be more and more like him and we'll be deeper and stronger in our relationship with him. So thank you so much for listening to this episode, episode four, who is Jesus of season three. Thank you so much for giving us this time. Share it with somebody. God bless.